Hey, Risso here at George Mason University. This episode is the seventh out of a series of 12. In episode 254, I provided an overview of the spectrum. Uh, in other previous episodes, um, I explained the command style, practice style, reciprocal style, the self-check style, and the last one was the inclusion style. And you can find these episodes below in the same feed that you're listening to this podcast on. So today, I'm going to talk about style F, which is the guided discovery style. And this is the first style in which students are going to discover or produce knowledge through questions or problems set by the teacher. This means that we are now on the other side of the discovery threshold in which learners start to produce knowledge rather than only reproducing what is taught by the teacher. Um, in this specific style, the teacher logically dis uh, designs questions that guide the students to discover predetermined responses. So in other words, the content being taught will be reinforced through logical and sequential thinking. So a series of carefully crafted questions are designed by the teacher to lead the students to discover the specific predetermined target concept, principle, relationship, or rule that they still do not know. Teaching through the style takes skill since the questions need to be really well thought out in a way that the students will reach the answers that you expect. If this does not happen, there's a need for the teacher to re-examine the questions. Um, when we think about the content being taught, it, can, uh, it can't be knowledge the students already know or that they can't discover. So, for example, history, facts, names, and dates can't be taught using this style. Um, if the student already learned the answer to the questions asked by the teacher, the questioning then is actually part of the questioning in style B, which is the practice style. Um, another thing to consider is that this style works better when implemented individually. Um, if we ask a question to the whole group and one student answers, the other students are not going to have an opportunity to discover what is being taught. However, if you have students working together, it's important to check if each of them internalized the concept that was being taught. And in other words, it's not enough to have one learner stating the concept and not being sure that the other learners are also discovering what you are trying to teach. In this style, the responsibility of the teacher is still to choose the subject matter, so the target concept, and the sequence of questions. Additionally, it is the role of the teacher to make all of the logistical decisions. The learner, on the other hand, should link the different elements in each of the questions to discover the predetermined concept using logical thinking. So the teacher designs the questions that lead to the predetermined responses and the learner then discovers the answers. Um, this is really common in some of the games-based approaches uh, we've discussed previously on this podcast, like teaching games for understanding and tactical games approach. These models normally start off with a game that contains the tactics that learners are going to learn during the class. The teacher designs a small-sided game that needs certain skills and specific tactics to win. After the game, the teacher calls the students to a tactical awareness piece um, of the class 
and asks a series of very specific questions that lead students to answers related to the strategies and skills they use to win the game. The students reflect on their gameplay to answer the questions that the teachers come up with. If the teacher is successful in developing the games and the questions, the students are going to discover the needed tactics and skills. In other words, the teacher's questioning guided the students to the answer. Then the teacher chooses another style to teach the learners the skills they found out are needed to play the game. So that could be practice style or command style or whatever style you, you use there. Um, there's a great illustration of how to structure this style in the book. And again, the link to the book, which is free, is uh, in the show notes. The, the illustration is a ladder of the guided discovery. The floor is where the teacher sets the scene for the learning experience. So the game in the example above would be a good example of this. The first many steps of the ladder are the relevant small steps that guide the students toward the discovery, which is the questions, right? Then there's this gap. Uh, it's a step that's too large for learners to continue climbing, and that represents the larger concept to be discovered. Once the students find out how to climb that large step, they get to the target concept, which is the top floor of that image. It's important to know that episodes of guided discovery are short and they need more than one question. Also, simply asking questions does not mean that the teacher is using guided discovery styles since questions are asked in all of the teaching learning objectives. To characterize as guided discovery, the questions need to use a convergent process, meaning that learners are guided to a specific answer and not to creative moments or to explore multiple different answers. If you look at the examples in the book, um, a lot of times teachers will have more than 10 questions. So I'll give you a shorter example here. Now, let's imagine the teacher is trying to teach the concept of levels of difficulty in climbing. Like think about a climbing wall. Um, a lot of climbing walls in, in gyms or in your uh, elementary or middle school gym have different routes pointed out with different colors. So let's say green is the beginner's level followed by white, yellow, blue, and then pink being the hardest one. The teachers can set the stage by telling students to try and get from one side of the wall to the other side without specifying a rope. So uh, they're kind of doing like a bouldering exercise, so going sideways. Students are going to try a few times, and the teacher calls the students and gives them a sheet of paper with the following questions and answers. So, number one, um, what do you notice when you look at the wall? What is similar or different throughout the wall? Right. So the students would answer, uh, there are different colors of holds. Question number two, what is different if we follow one or the other colors of holds? The students would answer the distance, position, and the size of the holds. Question number three, which hand or foot hold would you go to if you wanted to have an easier route to get to the other side of the wall? So they would say the closest one in front of me, so where they are, they would go to the closest one, or the largest one to make sure that they can hold on to it. Right? Number four, which hand or foothold 
would you go to if you wanted to have a more difficult route to get to the other side of the wall? And the students would say, well, the one that's farthest away from me or the smallest hold, which means that I can only hold on with like two fingers or just my toes. Question number five, looking at the wall and considering your answers, what is the sequence of levels of difficulty of the routes? And so you'd have them work this out and they'd come up with this idea or hypothesis that says green, then white, then yellow, then blue, and pink is the hardest one. And then you have them test out those responses. So while the students analyze the wall and attempt to answer the questions, the teacher goes around providing positive feedback to their process of discovering the responses. Again, a simple yes or very good or correct is going to be enough. Um, the teacher is going to gather the students and go over the answers as, as a closure. This would conclude, uh, conclude the guided discovery episode of the class. So the learners found out that there are different routes on the climbing wall and that they have different characteristics that make them more or less difficult. For the next activity, the teacher can choose the inclusion style in which students are going to assess the levels that they are at in the climbing and cross the wall multiple times trying to evolve the next climbing level. So thinking that guided discovery is better to be done in one-on-one -on -one situations um, since learners' discovery process can come in different sequences and paces, I would suggest having the questions on a paper in, in the example that I listed above. Um, guided discovery could also happen in episodes with one student on the side when explaining a reason for something that was asked of them. So, for example, after teaching a student different positions to shoot a puck in hockey, the teacher can have a sequence of questions with hypothetical tactical situations to lead the learner to discover which shooting position is more likely to be successful in each tactical situation. The subject matter objectives in this style emphasize, again, the discovery of the target concept and the interconnections of the steps and the tasks. The aim here is for learners to experience the discovery process in a sequence of steps to find the skills that logically lead to broader concepts. And when we talk about the behavior objective, this is to have the students cross the discovery threshold. The focus is to have students discover concepts and principles that represent convergent thinking. The learners are now engaging in a cognitive relationship between stimulus provided by the teacher and then the discovery responses. And additionally, there is uh, the aim to develop an effective and affective climate that provides this thrill of finding out new concepts, this moment of eureka, like they found it. Um, so as we wrap up this style, there are a few rules to design the sequence of teaching and learning experiences that uh, the teacher should do. So one, never tell the answer, okay? Number two, wait for the responses of the learners, giving them time to engage in mediation. Number three, provide frequent positive feedback such as nodding or saying that they're correct or they're on the right track, okay? And finally, maintain patience and a climate of acceptance to keep the flow to the process. All right, so that's all we have for you on this one. Once again, I encourage you to download the book. It's free. You can find great examples of how the spectrum is applied in physical education settings. 
and then resources that can help you successfully integrate the different styles of teaching in your classes. I'll be back again uh, with more episodes, so stay tuned. And again, thanks to Alba Rodriguez for her help in producing these podcasts and also making these podcasts into blogs. And you can find links to the blog um, in the show notes. So uh, thanks for listening.